You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Yeah, that was also the 8,000 milligrams of ibuprofen running through your veins as well. So, Oh, yeah, there was, there was a lot. I damaged my kidneys. <laughs> Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Kura. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable. Ready, set, hunt. And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm Travis Curra. Brazilian Tide is here. Tide, first question How are your Twitter notifications doing these days, man? Um. As of this morning, they're fine. Uh, <laughs> mainly because I just muted Twitter for the next 48 hours. <laughs> That's probably smart, hey? Well, it's either that or I'm going to say something that will get me fired. Either off of here or my job. So, you know, man, this uh... one of those things. Life imitates art. <laughs> well, it's going to be really hard to record a podcast without breathing and without discussing players, but I'm going to give it my best shot. Ty is already red in the face and ready to pass out. <laughs> we both know that's from my diet, not my anger. Before we really get going, i got to let you know about the Well-Endowed Podcast by the Edmonton Community Foundation. It's hosted by Andrew Paul and Elizabeth Bonkirk, produced by Lisa Pruden. It explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps create endowment funds, and the podcast tells the stories of how those endowments intersect with the community. One of the most recent episodes came out uh, just earlier this week, and they're speaking to the creator of Y-E-G Eats, Yeg Eats. Let me tell you what, man. If you're looking for some good places to eat in Edmonton, you got to check out this uh, latest episode. I'm always looking for great places to eat, and uh, the Edmonton Community Foundation supports very cool things just like that. You can subscribe at thewellendowedpodcast.com. In the huddle with Karan Tai on the Two and Out Podcast. All right, just going <laughs> to... There is so much to go through in this episode. Uh, I'll, we'll try to keep it under an hour here. Got to start here <laughs> uh, because this does really affect the Canadian Football League. Federal government putting uh, the vaccination thing in for traveling. It, it does appear that it's not going to affect the CFL season. Maybe as as much as previously thought, it will affect the games in December. So the division finals and the Grey Cup. <laughs> I mean, a drive so the, from... The Elks won't have to worry about it. Yes. So a, a drive from, you know, Winnipeg to Hamilton isn't as bad as, you know, Vancouver to Hamilton. So <laughs> just saying. Uh, are, are, you, are, you, are you trying to make my joke? 
Wow, I didn't even intend to do that. Because let's be honest, everybody has to drive into Winnipeg or they got to drive home from Winnipeg. I just meant an unvaccinated bomber could drive to Hamilton to play in the Grey Cup. But the fact that they don't have an airport means the entire team has to drive to Hamilton. (laughs) I can't believe you would say such a thing. I don't know where I would get that information from. But uh, I I was honestly kind of fascinated because if this came in in October or the beginning of November, I have no idea how the league would handle it. Um, But it's only going to affect basically two weeks. Those are the playoffs. Uh, We'll see if this or what is going to be done with this regarding next season. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Some BC Lions news. Lucky Whitehead is out two to four weeks after undergoing surgery. He's got a broken hand. He uh, put out on Twitter the surgery went well, but the Lions, they made a signing to be a part of that receiving core, and they're on by right now. But Devere Posey, just being released by the Hamilton Tiger Cats, is now heading to the BC Lions. He'll be a part of filling in for Lucky Whitehead while Whitehead is out. But when Whitehead gets back, Posey, Burnham, and uh, Whitehead, they got to like the looks of that in Vancouver. That is not a bad receiver group to be throwing the football to, especially if you're Michael Riley. Uh, no, no. It's kind of becoming a uh, an embarrassment of riches at the receiver position. Uh, you know, you have Posey, Burnham, uh Lucky Whitehead, when he's healthy and he gets back, I mean, they're going to have three real good options, basically three number ones almost, as as the way that Lucky Whitehead's played this year. Uh, And that's a good thing because they're not running the football. Yeah, (laughs) that's very fair. And Posey's biggest issue is just if he can stay healthy. If he can stay healthy, he'll be able to contribute to that BC Lions receiving core in no time. All right, week 10 is a long one and there was a game last night so let's get to it join two and out for cfl fantasy and cfl pick'em and show kura and ty what you got they are who we thought they were just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca enough from talking about it there has to be consequences and pick'em.cfl.ca the toronto argonauts beating the ottawa red blacks 35 16 my uh, ottawa pick'em pick was looking all right at halftime, Ty. <laughs> yeah, we had we had a game. Yep, yep. And and then it went to crap. Yeah, then the third quarter happened, where the Toronto Argonauts outscored the Ottawa Red Blacks twenty-seven nothing in that frame. This was actually the first time the Argos have scored a offensive touchdown a defensive touchdown, and a special teams touchdown in the same game since October of 2004. And this franchise was celebrating the 91 Toronto Argonauts today. They were giving away, they gave away 2,000 of those uh, 91 champion crew neck sweatshirts. Man, those are slick. I feel like the league <laughs> we're, we we got to have a 90s week or a 90s, you know, month soon with this league. A lot of fond memories, some dark times in the CFL to be sure, but 
If those crew mm-hmm. necks are going to come back, I'm all for it. And if gas prices could come back, oh, uh, I mean, we'd be we'd be foolish not to endorse that. I, I could even throw back to June 2020 gas prices, and I'd be okay with it. <laughs> at, at this point, uh, I find it hilarious that TSN wouldn't give Dunnigan the night off. <laughs> well, the best part is that he's doing an in-game interview. And then there's a yeah. punt, retur- punt block for a touchdown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even Dunnigan's like, yeah, I'll shut up. You guys get to call this play, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, like, I mean, that was the year of the Rocket. Yeah. Like, I mean, they. that was probably one of the best teams in the CFL, uh, you know, that you'll see for a long time. Like, yeah, Winnipeg's really good, but... I mean, that team was loaded. They had the money, kind of, until it was found out that, you know, maybe they didn't. But, <laughs> you know, just... And they, they made it seem like, you know, this team has gone through droughts of... Or is in the middle of a huge drought, just the way that, you know, it was celebrated. But, I mean, they won back-to-back a couple years later. They They won it four years ago, but... I mean that that's one team that I mean the more you can talk about it the better because those were the heydays for for that Argos franchise. August sixteenth episode of Two and Out might be one you want to check out if you haven't already. Pa- Paul Woods joined the show to talk about his book, The Year of the Rocket. Of course, those nineteen ninety one Toronto Argonauts. Now, I, I got to assume that. The Argos, I, I I truly believe it's just going to come. They're undefeated at home so far this season. Look, I, I know it's a COVID year, so you can't sell as many tickets, but they've got uh, quite the boisterous group there. And if they keep winning at home and putting an entertaining product on the field, I think it's only a matter of time before people show up. BMO is a, actually a really cool place to watch a game. And if they keep Given, you know, crewnecks out at the gate, come on. They're going to have 15,000 people there in no time. No time. <laughs> well, it's, it's really hard to sell tickets when your team isn't good. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're starting it. They've turned it. I don't want to say they've turned it around. They're starting to turn it around. Like, they're, they're undefeated at home, like you said. It's been an, a real up and down season. I mean, win one, lose one. But, you know, yeah. they put up a performance like they did last night. They are, you know... I don't want to say entrenched in a playoff spot, but I mean that East is basically up for grabs, uh, and then they're and they're they're in the hunt. They're going to be in the hunt all season, and you know that that's just another reason they're playing meaningful football late in the season. That's another reason for them to be able to sell tickets. Look, we'll we'll get to Edmonton here, but it's going to be really <laughs> interesting to see what their attendance is going to look like come next week against Winnipeg. I mean, if if we're going to trash the Argos. Every single time that they have a bad turnout for a game, maybe look at Commonwealth Stadium next Friday. I know there's a lot of reasons going into that, but I'm just saying. <laughs> now I know what uh, you're saying, but what are you saying? <laughs> we got to talk uh, Ottawa here. I, I know it was, I know it was another loss, and I know that. Rookie quarterback Caleb Evans threw three interceptions. He was 23 of 41, but he threw for 334 yards. He rushed for another 54 yards. 
it was still like in the first half they moved the ball they just couldn't finish drives second half yes was a struggle but I mean he didn't allow a blocked punt to go for a touchdown yeah there was a deflected pass at the line of scrimmage that ended up for a pick six still better at quarterback than what was going on earlier this season (laughs) yeah and I, I don't know if we saw Matt Nichols being that bad, uh, you know, Dom Davis gets thrust into that spot, does does well enough, gets hurt, and now now we get Caleb Evans. And yeah, his first game was pretty good. Wins gets gets a win in his debut, and and Tuesday night, uh, you know, yeah, that first half was great. We had a football game; it was close. It looked like they might be able to squeak something out, and the the wheels just came off in the second half. And that that's not just on Caleb Evans; that's on no. you know. The, the entire Ottawa team kind of it just it, they just seem to be deflated after Toronto kind of turned up the pressure. Ryan Davis was Ottawa's leading receiver, eight catches for 104 yep. yards. R.J. Harris had 84 yards. Kenny Stafford had 75 yards. So it's not like the Ottawa team of six weeks ago where you know no. they, they were just moving it for they 80 still don't yards. Run the ball, <laughs> and that is a big issue for a young quarterback when. Yep. Timothy Flanders gets six carries for 16 yards. It, it There's just not much support for Evans. No. He was the leading rusher for the team. He's mobile. He does have an arm. And l- let's see if they let him figure this out. He's got the Montreal Alouettes on Thanksgiving Monday. I, I see Ottawa fans are still <laughs> willing to... Let Caleb Evans play through this. He's what? He's only twenty-four years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have Duck Hodges, but I don't know how ready he is to play. Obviously, Nichols and and Dom Davis pro- are probably not going to be able to go. They they don't have a lot of options right now. Uh, but it, you know, for a lot of quarterbacks, it's baptism by fire. The only way you're going to learn how to read yeah. defenses and and make those adjustments is through gameplay. Well, and props go to the Toronto Argonauts where I I think Chris Jones' influence is being felt on that Mm -hmm. defense. Uh, Dexter McCoyle, who probably doesn't get talked about enough this year. Uh, He had four tackles. He had the the pick six, 71-yard return on on that interception. Played with Mr. Jones in Edmonton in 2015. So they're kind of familiar with each other. He kind of gets lost on that Argo, in that Argos defense. He does. Absolutely he does. And he's been performing quite admirably so far this season. Also, I mean, now you're seeing defensive linemen drop back into coverage, confusing a young quarterback. That That's a Chris Jones thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, he'll probably just wait till just wait till Devaris Daniels is playing corner. And then people won't know what to think. <laughs> hey, man, I've always thought at the end of the game, if the offense is going to be throwing up Hail Marys, why, why can't Eric Rogers and Devaris Daniels play DB? <laughs> what, what do you need a pick for? Just knock it down. <laughs> DJ Foster got the start at running back because John White was ruled out. He had 18 carries for 65 yards. 
Five catches for 79 yards and a touchdown. It was a huge fantasy day. Mm-hmm. And Ty, he's got another one on Monday against Hamilton. Yeah, I mean, his weekly score is already at 25.4. I don't yeah. see that going down. Uh, <laughs> you know, and for for eight 8,000 bucks for two games, it's really hard not to put him in your lineup. I picked the wrong running back from this game because um, I'm an idiot. And I'm sure... <laughs> Some people will agree with that and probably mention it on Twitter. Uh, but, yeah, just a huge monster game from DJ Foster. I mean, that allowed McLeod Bethel. Like, that first half was not going Toronto's way. Nope. Uh, and this just kind of allowed them to settle. He allowed them to settle things down and, and McLeod Bethel-Thompson to get into that rhythm and, and start finding guys because Ottawa had to respect the run and that pass out of the backfield, that little, you know, screen, release valve, whatever you want to call it. They had to respect that, and that just opened up everything else for for the Argos. Macbeth only threw for 181 yards. He did have two touchdowns and an interception, but when your special teams and defense are scoring touchdowns, that's just mm-hmm. the way the game goes. And, I mean, 18 carries for D.J. Foster. They were just trying to get out of BMO Field as healthy as they could before a game against Hamilton on Monday. Now, my fantasy lineup, I, I took both Flanders and D.J. Foster – I actually felt okay about the Timothy Flanders pick because uh, I'll take a game against Toronto and uh, Montreal. I I, I just don't know how I feel about how the Argos are going to do against the Ticats defense on Thanksgiving, especially on short rest. But the Flanders pick (laughs) obviously didn't didn't pay off at all. yeah. William Powell was $21 less. I probably should have stuck with him in the lineup. That being said, I mean, we'll we'll see what Flanders does on Monday against Montreal. If they give him 15 carries, maybe he has a touchdown like he did last week, and then all of a sudden it doesn't seem so bad at all. I'd, I'd like to say it can't get worse, but it literally can. Yeah, uh, I think I think Edmonton demonstrates that. Yeah, that's fair. And uh, they play the Winnipeg Blue Bombers Friday night. Probably the team you don't want to play when things aren't going well. (laughs) When do you want to play Winnipeg? (laughs) Right now, like, I mean, it's ridiculous. Edmonton continues to make news off the football field. Exactly where you don't want your team to make news off the football field. Now, I'm conflicted with this one. Eddie Steele gets let go from his employing radio station because of his comments on uh, Elks management on the Rod Peterson show last week. Uh, I <laughs> this is this is kind of the deal, you know, when when you're on uh the media outlet that covers the team that's why fans need to take information with a grain of salt from certain sources right because they're the rights holder yep. for the team or they're the rights holder for the league they they use these sources to drive the narrative a little bit but at the same time Eddie Steele was employed because of who he is. 
He played in the league for nine years. He won a Grey Cup. He's got connections probably in just about every dressing room. So they had to know what they were getting. And he really... <laughs> he didn't say anything didn't say too any- bad. He didn't say anything <laughs> that was crazy or... No! Defamatory or slant. None of that. No, he exactly. Said nobody else would. Yeah. It's just a tough situation. Uh, and I, I think Eddie probably knew that he was going to get slapped on the wrist yep. <laughs> a little bit. But he's a proud guy. He wasn't going to mince words just to nope. protect feelings in the front office in Edmonton. Now. And then. And, yeah. <laughs> Robin Brownlee, I believe he's a contributor to OilersNation.com, sends out a message saying uh, Brock Sunderland was the guy that blocked and banned Joey Moss from going into the Edmonton Football Club's locker room anymore, saying that it had become a distraction. And Having good team morale must really suck. This feels so tough to talk about now that Joey's gone but when you say that about let's face it an Edmonton legend yep it's not gonna go well for you and I I I don't know how much longer Brock Sunderland, Sunderland can be employed in Edmonton between what Robin Brownlee brought up the Eddie Steele comments, whether they're 100% true or not, there has, there, I'm sure there's some truth to them. Um, the performance on the field and just the overall mess that the COVID protocols were early in the season for this team. Dwayne Mandrusiak. Dwayne Mandrusiak kind of kick-started this whole thing, uh, you know, when furloughs happened. Now, it would have been fine if they just laid him off and said, yeah, you're coming back. But no, they outright basically fired him. Um, yeah. I've seen I've seen lots of comments on Twitter that people are not going to the games for the rest of the season. They have season tickets. They're selling their tickets. or just straight up not using them. Uh, people are pissed. We we've talked about it lots that you know this fan base is not is not happy, and it has to start with management. Yeah, the product in the field isn't great, and that just exacerbates that problem because that team is put on the field by Brock Sutherland, and I have. Like I don't even want to talk about the Joey Moss thing because it gets me kind of fired up, um, and I don't want to say something you know stupid either. But it just—it's not a great look for a team that is already kind of a mess this season. This just adds to it, and it just gives cannon fodder to everybody else to just start throwing stones at them. And and I can't say I blame them. if this is if if what is said is true about Brock Sutherland. And we know the whole vaccination status of that team and of him. People are going to have no problem if he gets fired. And I I honestly don't know how the Elks don't do that at the end of the year. They're not making the playoffs. It's not a good football team. The decisions he's made, you know, whether it be training staff, front office, all that stuff, weren't haven't been good. Uh, there's no reason for him to stick around when the season is done. Man, I, uh, I I just compare the equipment manager situation to the Calgary Stampeders. George Hopkins <laughs> had his first home game with the Stamps in 1972. 
So he's <laughs> he's been around mm-hmm. the league a long, long time, and they've kept him around. And here's the thing with Edmonton. The community-owned aspect really means that that team was, and I don't know if they are anymore, was entrenched in the community, and fans in Edmonton really took and take pride with that. And they yep. feel like they're com- they're connected to this franchise and they're losing that connection right now. And when you lose that, it's really tough to come back from. And I, I know that they can fire Brock Sunderland and they can let him go and he can go on his way, but the damage left from all of this stuff sticks with that team for a long long time it it is not there is definitely a relationship to repair yeah well and here's the deal man they can keep coming out and denying these stories but this stuff doesn't just come out of thin air (laughs) (laughs) you can't just be denying a story every single week when you're the only team dealing with crap like this on a regular basis It is an embarrassing situation in Edmonton. And maybe this is one Mm -hmm. of the downsides to the front office cap tie. Maybe. I I can see that. Um, At the same time, you can't let that be a deciding factor. Yeah, it's going to be a factor, but you're just going to have to bite the bullet, I think. I I don't see how they can keep them around. Well, uh, maybe the uh, Board of Governors is keeping him around right now to take a lot of the fire until it dies yeah, down a just, little bit. And he's then... just a sacrificial lamb at this point. Yep, yep. Winnipeg, for their credit, they have an off-the-field story as well. And I, I got really nothing to add other than it's quite disappointing. Kenny Lawler mm-hmm. knows better. Monday morning, Mm -hmm. he was charged with impaired driving, and uh, I I did catch his press conference apologizing to the media, apologizing to his teammates. To me, it seemed very sincere. He knows that he did wrong, and the Bombers got ahead of this. They uh, made an announcement. They've suspended him for this game against Edmonton. it's 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 tough to see for the leading receiver in the Canadian Football League, but I I believe that he's learned a lesson here at least and uh, is sincere in his comments mm-hmm. and uh, the leadership in that locker room will keep him accountable anyway. Oh, one hundred percent. I think that's a really tight knit group in there. I, nobody's going to get away with much, um, and like you said. Seemed very sincere, like he's learned his lesson, uh, knows he made a huge mistake, uh, and it, it happened. There's nothing you can do about it now except learn from it, and let's just be thankful that he didn't hurt anybody else because that, that it's, it's inexcusable what happened, let's be honest, uh, but they, it could have been one hell of a lot worse, and let's just be thankful that it wasn't. As far as on-the-field stuff goes, receiver Kelvin McKnight will draw into the lineup for the Blue Bombers. Uh, He started three games this season. I know a lot of fans were kind of wondering if this was going to be the debut of Naaman Roosevelt. 
I guess he's not quite ready to get into the lineup, so it is going to be Kelvin McKnight. By the way, Drew Wolitarski, who was having his best game of the season last week against BC, he was working with the first teamers, so that knee injury looks like it was minor, and he'll be able to get into the field uh, for this game. As for Edmonton, Trevor Harris is back. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I do want to kind of write off the Elks for this game, but I had them written off going into Labor Day. They were coming off this whole COVID situation, you know, a third of the team uh, tested positive, and Trevor Harris comes out and they destroy the Calgary Stampeders on Labor Day. I don't think they're going to destroy the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but... Harris showed that when his back's against the wall, he can perform. I I mean, David Beard is uh, back practicing after being out with COVID protocol. They've got a full-strength offensive line. Maybe if Harris can block out all of the noise, which at this point seems pretty tough to do, maybe he'll have a nice performance in this one. But it just uh, doesn't seem likely to me. (laughs) No, it doesn't seem likely to me either. All the distractions and and all that stuff going on off the field. uh, It's just one of those things. And I mean, you're going up against probably the best team we've seen in a long time uh, in the Blue Bombers. Uh, The defense is scary good. The offense somehow with Zach Kalaros under center is really good. (laughs) It just Uh, still... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's crazy. I, I, I'm not. I'm trying not to disparage him, but I just don't get it, man. If he wins uh, a Grey Cup again, will you pay him a compliment? He, he's got great hair. I'll give him that. <laughs> he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> but I mean, it's just I just don't see the the Elks having a lot of success against the Bombers. I just don't. Um, that being said, you have the likes of Darrell Walker. And you know, James Wilder Jr., Greg Ellingson, Mike Jones, the, the the weapons are there on the offensive side of the ball. And like you said, uh, full-strength offensive line coming back, uh, it helps, but I don't think it's enough. Seems like Sir Vincent Rogers is dealing with a back issue again. Just watch those depth charts as uh, they come out to see what's going on, especially for Winnipeg, man, because <laughs> they, they they don't hesitate to give uh, veterans days off if they need them. Um, and I'm not going to fault them for that because it's clearly working for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers at this point in time. Speaking Speaking of the Blue Bombers, Rashid Bailey in his one game against Edmonton, 13.2 points, which I know it's a really small sample size, but still the highest average in that receiving core against the Elks. He's in my lineup right now. Lawler was getting a lot of targets. They have to go somewhere. I wouldn't be shocked if Rashid Bailey is a beneficiary of at least a few of those targets. And yeah, he did have a touchdown last week. Saturday. Rough Riders, Stampeders, <laughs> right back at it from last Saturday at McMahon Stadium. And clearly... Familiarity the, breeds contempt. And clearly the Riders are going to come into this game quite upset, especially Cody Fajardo. And to me, it just looks like Cody is feeling the pressure right now. He left Saturday's game upset, 
straight to the locker room. Didn't cool off in the post-game media session. He was pretty upset there as well. He's got fire, and he's going to want to have himself a better game. And I I know he was there ranting about the 50-50 ball and uh, saying that they aren't going well. It either ends up in an interception or an incompletion, but Cody knows. And he, he came out and apologized for throwing his receivers under the bus. A lot of that's on him, too. When uh, there's been plenty of times. You got to put it been, where your receiver has the best chance at it, right? Well, and sometimes there's been wide open receivers that are missed by yep. three or four yep. yards and uncovered. So uh, it, it's on Cody as well, who's been struggling with the deep ball a little bit. Enforcements. Maybe on the way. The Riders have signed Duke Williams, and you'll remember him. 2018 in Edmonton, 1,579 yards, 11 touchdowns, an absolute physical monster. He spent the last few seasons with the Buffalo Bills. Turns out this year he ended up having a rough camp with Buffalo. Maybe that waggle will help him out a little bit, and he'll be back where he left off Mm -hmm. in the CFL a few years ago. Uh, Wouldn't expect him to be in the lineup until after Saskatchewan's bye week. He's still got to do the quarantine, all that kind of stuff. And Shaq Evans, he's back doing some work at practice as well. Wouldn't expect him back for a few weeks either. But if you get Duke Williams, Kyron Moore... (laughs) <laughs> Shaq Evans into the lineup, and hey, uh, I think Keen Schaefer Baker he holds his own as well. Yep. Those are some pretty good good receivers for Cody Fajardo to be throwing to. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have any complaints thrown to any one of those four if I was yeah. the quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've seen what you know. We've seen what Shaq, Kyron, and and Duke can do in this league. Uh, Schaefer Baker is starting to show us a little more. Uh, they're guys that make plays. They make the big catches. They're able to sustain drives and finish drives in the end zone. Uh, you know, we've we've seen Shaq Evans absolutely burn corners and be overthrown, right? And that's rare to see that, but it happens. Uh, and and like you said, that that's kind of that's on Cody. Uh, and it might take them a little bit of time to get back to where they were in 2019. Uh, but Cody knows he needs to be better. Those receivers know they need to to you know start winning battles i think yeah he apologized and he kind of threw his teammates under the bus there but i think that maybe lights a fire and and these receivers come out with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and and you know trying to show that hey it's not we're not we're not the sole reason here uh that everybody needs to play better and it, it might just start with that group a bit of a change in the rider receiving core for Saturday. Justin McKinnis is going to draw the start in place of Mitchell Pickton. McKinnis had uh, 10 catches for around 150 yards in 2019. As for the Calgary Stampeders, it appears Bo Levi Mitchell is good to go. He had to leave last week's game. Uh I went back and watched. Micah Johnson drove him into the ground, and it clearly well, it also hit him on the follow through in his throwing arm. Like it wasn't pretty. It clearly bothered uh, the the shoulder, mm-hmm. the surgically repaired shoulder, as uh, a WWE yeah. announcer would say. Alle- allegedly, like how good <laughs> did the repairs go? If it's still an issue two years later. Yeah, that's fair. It's like owning, it's like owning a it's like owning a Ford. It's like yeah, I just got it fixed. Yeah, and 
<laughs> hey, my Ford is still trucking, man. I'm going to cross 310,000 uh, kilometers right away here. I'm pretty There's happy. such a thing with... called the exception to the rule. <laughs> the exception to the rule. <laughs> uh, Bo says he's going to be good to go. I, I think some other Stampeder situations to watch, though, man. Kadeem Carey limited on Wednesday with uh, the back situation going on. Uh, Malik Henry has been practicing. He just had his uh, second shot, so he missed practice on Tuesday, I probably would have missed eight practices the way my second shot went, so I don't blame him at all. Uh, Kamar Jordan hasn't been practicing. I should, I should have just got Moderna both times because I felt great after my second shot. <laughs> yeah, that was also the 8,000 milligrams of ibuprofen running through your veins as well. So, Oh, yeah, there was, there was a lot. I damaged my kidneys. <laughs> uh, Kamar Jordan has not been practicing. But Josh Huff has returned. I, I was kind of intrigued by maybe having Malik Henry in my lineup. $2,500 returning kicks. And last week with the mm-hmm. injury situation, getting him involved in the offense as well. And I, I think we're only starting to see with what Malik Henry can do. The guy can run. Yeah, and we we've seen this happen lots of times before, where returners get more involved in the offense, and you know you don't have to throw them the deep ball. You can throw them those short intermediate routes, uh, and and let them make a play. Um, the one thing with Malik Henry though is the way John Ryan boots the ball, he's going to have opportunity at returns. Right. <laughs> so, well, it's not. I'm just saying that like he he out, he literally outkicks the coverage. The cover team cannot get down there. It gives yeah. him, it gives the returner a head of steam, uh, and lets lets the lanes kind of set up a little bit for him. Uh, yeah, a chance for some for some points, uh, whether it's return or and if they get him involved in the offense. I mean, that's that's just a bonus for you too. If I look uh, at uh, special teams, Saskatchewan's cover team, not so bad. Uh, when it comes to punt mm-hmm. returns. But the Calgary Stampeders are the best in the CFL on punt return cover. Five yards a punt is what returners are averaging against the Stamps. Yeah. And uh, 18.1 yards is what they're averaging on kick returns. First in the league on both counts. The Riders third and fourth on uh, punts and kickoffs respectively. Don't kick to the returner. Kick it so it has to bounce, and then you can be inside the five yards, and all you do is give up five yards and no return. That's what I would do. That's it. If you're going to kick it, you know, 70 yards, make sure it gets out of bounds. I know that's probably yeah. easier said than done with how wide the field is, though. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, John Ryan's been kicking long enough. He can should be able to figure it out by now. I probably couldn't even uh, kick it from sideline to sideline, so what am I saying? <laughs> yeah, I definitely couldn't. I would most most likely pull a hamstring. <laughs> now, uh, I, I'm so happy it's back. I, I truly believe this could be a, a a weekend of building tradition, much like Labor Day in the CFL. We've got. Oh, I face... thought you were going to say roll up the rim. Oh, <laughs> much like coast to coast monopoly, baby. I still haven't gone. Oh. My willpower is at an all time high. I I had four cokes yesterday, so there's that. 
Oh my god, there was almost coffee all over my living room. <laughs> now, if they had a McDonald's booth in camp, how well do you think you would do? I'd probably lose weight because I would spend so much time in the bathroom, but we don't need to uh <laughs> we don't need to inundate the listeners with that information. I would have to my- record from in there. <laughs> the echo, echo, echo of the bathroom. <laughs> I, <laughs> All you'd the hear mu- is the fan. <laughs> oh, I'm laughing too hard this early in the morning. Uh, the, the Montreal <laughs> Alouettes uh, hosting the Ottawa Red Blacks here. It's really all about can the Montreal Alouettes offense move the ball and stay consistent mm-hmm. here. Vernon Vernon Adams Jr. is a league-leading 13, 13 touchdown passes, but it goes along with 10 interceptions. Now, yep. <laughs> I, I used to put a lot of weight on the, on the touchdown-to-interception ratio until you start looking at some of the legends in the CFL. <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't worry about it, man. It's all about the ankle. How is look, it doing? Look at, look at Jameis Winston last year. He went 30 and 31 or 30 and 33. <laughs> and he still found a starting job. Yeah, exactly. Just just be exciting. And that's what Vernon Adams can do. Yep. It's all about managing the ankle. And last week, yeah. the big comeback against the Hamilton Tiger Cats and their defense on that bummed ankle, it is clear that he wants it. And he's mm-hmm. becoming a leader in that Montreal Alouettes locker room. I mean, if you're desperate to get back into the game with that kind of pain you're dealing with right now, how can that team not rally behind that? And yeah. that Alouettes receiving core, they are dynamite right now. And it, it's like we're beating a dead horse. You have Vernon Adams, and he wants to do that. And you have a head coach that it seems everybody on that roster is willing to run through a wall for. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, you thought I had a lot of stuff running through my system to deal with pain. I'm pretty sure Vernon Adams is going to have twice that uh, come come Monday to manage that to manage the pain and, and get through this game. Uh, it's one they got to win. They want to you know keep pace with the Argos, which I mean we didn't think that was going to happen. Uh, well, I guess we kind of did. I mean there was a chance we saw that team on paper but Montreal doesn't want to take a step back they don't want to be that team that you know wins 12 games and then misses the playoffs the next year and it's just a a year where oh it's just the growing pains of of a young offense no they're they want to continue to to improve and get better and and you know Vernon Adams staying healthy uh you know and then winning football games is is paramount right now the Owls have only really done a uh, walkthrough so far this week um, Adams could be on the run a little bit. Uh, two starting offensive linemen are going to be out of the game with injury. Sean Jamison at center and Philippe Gagnon. Uh, the guard is going to be out of this game. Replacing a center is not easy. <laughs> at, no, at least as we saw in Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, at, at least it's happening, you know. <laughs> they can deal with it in practice this week instead of uh, middle of the game. That's never good. Yeah. One big thing, the Alouettes have not won at home this season. Of course, it's only been two games, but their performance on the road has been much better mm-hmm. than it has been at home. 
They're going to want to fix that against Ottawa on Thanksgiving Monday. As for Ottawa, man, uh, I don't even know. Can you get them into your fantasy lineup anymore and get credit for one game? Probably not with the way uh, the website is working right now. Do you think they're going to – I think they're going to – Keep rolling with Caleb Evans for a little bit here instead of going to Terran Christian. So. What, yeah, yeah. Uh, throwing for 300 yards, rushing the ball for another 54, and I think he'll be able to have some success against the Montreal defense. That's kind of a – you don't know what you're going to get with those guys sometimes. <laughs> they're real Jekyll and Hyde. One game they look like they're going to shut out their opponent and the next day they give they look like they could give up 700 yards through the air <laughs> then make and make make the opposing starting quarterback look like Matt Dunnigan yeah like it's it's crazy what's going on in Montreal and like you said they haven't won at home yeah it's only been two games uh but still uh if you can't if you're not winning football games at home it makes your season a hell of a lot tougher than it needs to be because those should be you should have it should be easier to win games at home like let's be honest it should be yeah, uh, but at the same time, that's why you play the games, and they're not just played on paper. Montreal allowing nine point one yards a pass attempt. The only team allowing more, Ottawa, uh, <laughs> and uh, Montreal allowing opposing quarterbacks uh, to have a one hundred two point nine pass efficiency. The only team allowing quarterbacks to have a higher pass efficiency. Ottawa. So maybe <laughs> on Thanksgiving we will we will see some offense at Percival Molson. I'm okay with this. The Ticats uh, and Argonauts. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a good one. The Ticats obviously come into here well rested. I got to think that during this layoff, it's got to be about getting that offense going because Pretty much, mm-hmm. you, you've seen a drive here and there, but the offense this season just has not been clicking at all. Not only the offense, but Brandon Banks has stood out like a sore thumb. Yeah, and not and that and he's standing out for not good reasons. Uh, they, yeah, they need to get that whole offense going. They need to figure out a way to get a run game involved somehow because teams are just being able to sit back and wait for them to throw the ball. And then when you become that one-dimensional, it's really it's it's way easier to stop than having to respect the run because teams don't have to right now if you're playing the Tiger Cats. Yeah, every once in a while you'll see Sean Thomas Erlington have a spell, a nice gain, a touchdown yeah. here and there, but the, the rushing game just mm-hmm. uh, don't need to respect the pass at nope. all. And the Hamilton Tiger Cats, believe it or not, average the least passing yards a game. They're the only team averaging less than 200 yards, and that includes an Ottawa team that had a game, again, with 71 passing yards. <laughs> you keep bringing that up, and it just keeps driving that knife further into Elks fans' backs. Um, <laughs> they, I, a lot of it, too, is they have started three different quarterbacks this season. Yeah. And we brought it up yeah. last week as well, or on the last show. That does not usually go well. Uh it can, but I mean that—that's probably got a lot to do with the offense. I mean, you're running a totally different offense uh, when David Watford is in compared to Masoli or Dane Evans. Uh, yeah, you would think with Watford that they would have been, you know, they would have been focusing on 
on getting the ball to the running backs a little more. They and they didn't. But um, yeah, I think the more we see Masoli, if he's healthy and starting, uh, you know, the more familiarity comes back. And whether that's Masoli, Dane Evans, or David Wofford, doesn't matter. Uh, if a guy gets on a long stretch or a stretch where he's starting, uh, you know, more than two or three games. Uh, we could see that offense start to click again just with the familiarity of, of a system and, and knowing and timing and where guys are going to be. So uh, I think that's a lot to I think that has a lot to do with their offensive problems right now. Uh, and maybe that maybe that's the problem with Brandon Banks. Uh, you know, just not having the same guy back there. Everybody throws a little different. Everybody delivers delivers the ball different times, different ways. Uh, so that might be that might be the issue there too. And also. Like, like we said, teams not having to respect the run, they're just going to double cover Brandon Banks. Why wouldn't you? Well, and for an offensive line that uh, has been struggling, and if you're just dropping mm-hmm. back into pass protection every single... That sucks as an offensive lineman. Every single play when your line is struggling yeah. and the, the defensive line doesn't have to respect the run and they can just pin their ears back every single play? Yeah. That's just... And you just you- you're just getting the crap beat out of you 40 times a game. That's really fun. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the Argos here, 65 points in their last two games. They go into the hammer looking to make it three wins in a row. <laughs> There's going to be some animosity in this one, and I'm all here for yep. it. I know we're supposed to get along on Thanksgiving, but I, I really don't think Hamilton and Toronto are going to do that. <laughs> No, I don't think so. I think this is just another win that Toronto can put in their pocket at Tim Hortons Field for this season. Um, it won't be the last, mark my words, but... <laughs> yeah, I think these teams are going to... Well, Montreal might have something to say about that. They, these two teams might have to go through each other in the playoffs. Well, and I'm just I'm just saying Grey Cup is in Hamilton and this won't be Toronto's oh. last win there. So that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Two and Out is a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. You can go to albertapodcastnetwork.com to discover all the great shows, a part of the network right now, including this one, Kyle and Dave versus The Machine. Hi, my name is Kyle. I'm Dave. And I'm The Machine. And we do a podcast called Kyle and Dave versus The Machine. It's a podcast where a sentient machine is forcing us to watch movies in order to prevent it from initiating the apocalypse. Although, Dave, you and I tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. Well, it's the machine's fault, like everything, and then by effect your fault, Kyle, that you've invited me, and this is the only thing I like to talk about. I mean, I'm not going to face the apocalypse alone, so you seem like a good patsy to bring along with me. If you wanted somebody that was going to give you some hope, you picked the wrong person. Kyle and Dave vs. the Machine is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. New episodes are out every Friday. All right, Ty. Uh, fantasy numbers. Now I know there's already a game in the in the books, and my week, I, I've actually almost scored the same amount of points as my entire week last week through one game. So <laughs> I have not. <laughs> I I'm pretty happy. So I've already got them locked in. Caleb Evans, DJ Foster, Timothy Flanders, Curly Gittens Jr. and the Argos defense. So the only other 
two players I can talk about is I've got Rashid Bailey hoping uh, he sees mm-hmm. more targets going his way against Edmonton and uh, Braden Lenius. I, I know he had a rough game against Calgary last week, but nine targets. You got to think that uh, Cody's going to go to him and try to get those issues figured out. And if yeah. he gets nine targets again, uh, I think he'll have more than two catches this weekend. I I would hope so for, you know, the rider's sake and Lenius's sake and Fajardo's sake. Like, if you're, <laughs> if you're throwing to a guy nine times and he only catches it twice, it's really hard to uh, have confidence in that. Uh, but we saw earlier in the year he was so sure-handed. I'm sure that it was just it might yeah, just be a yeah. blip on the radar. Uh, and it's also a game that the riders have to win. So... I mean, you back you back a cat into a corner, and you're going to get clawed. Who are your uh, remaining players? Um, so I have Ricardo Lewis and the Alouette's defense, and because I loaded up on the wrong team last night, uh, I needed a really cheap option at running back, and ended up with Lee Trey again. So probably get minus points there. I have thirty four point <laughs> seven after last night, and it's not pretty. Hey, that might pay off for you if. Uh... If Kadeem Carey's dealing with the back issues, <laughs> yeah, that that's true. <laughs> it, man it might actually it might actually work out for you a little bit. Uh, the big performers so far this week were DJ Foster and uh, the Argos, mm-hmm. uh, who combined had fifty four point four points last week. So. Yeah. Uh, oh, Ryan, actually, Ryan Davis had 19.1 from the receiver position as well. So, I mean, that's a really good start to his week. Yeah, n- no kidding. And actually through one game, I have outscored my total from last week by three points. So, <laughs> that, that How says, bad were we last week? That says more about my week nine than week ten. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I was going to 100%. <laughs> Who are you picking to win the games? I've got... The Bombers, the Riders, the Cats, and the Alouettes. Uh, I have Bombers, Riders, Alouettes, Argos. Oh, three wins in a row. Thanksgiving Monday pulling away in the East Division. I like the call. Some people. I like the call. Some men just want to watch the world burn. (laughs) Yeah, you're just doing that to make Hamilton mad, and I, I love it. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> well, I mean, I can't, there's no point in there's no point in trying to make the Elk fans mad anymore because the team and the front office is doing that enough on their own that I don't need to to poke it with a stick. It's like, oh, if they attack me, it's like that Bill Burr sketch. Oh, what were you doing? Were you screwing with it? Were you poking it with a stick? It's like, well, yeah. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> well done, Edmonton. Well done. Yeah. Finally <laughs> shut me up. <laughs> Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Eat far too much food. And we'll talk to you Tuesday after the long weekend. It's the Two and Out Podcast. Rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.